Dark Hour Haunted House in Plano, Texas, had new owners at this season. That's coming up on today's show. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is our 61-day Hauntathon, where we're counting down to Halloween by celebrating Haunted Houses daily via videos, podcasts, and VIP in-person experiences. Since this podcast is only one part of our Hauntathon, and we're focusing so much on videos this year, the best way to follow everything is by subscribing to our newsletter at the link in our show notes, or going to our website at hauntedattractionnetwork.com and clicking the Hauntathon 2023 banner. Remember that the best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. Okay, today, Alan Hops used to be the director of Dark Hour, and now he's one of the owners. We sat down with him to discuss what that change in role would be like and how it would impact the direction of this staple in the haunt industry. We got a little deep in this conversation, so there is a little bit about the haunt itself, but as the conversation developed, it really became more of a masterclass about haunt ownership. Okay, here's Alan. I am Alan Hops, and I am one of the owners at Dark Hour Haunted House. I have been the director previously. My wife and I and another partner just purchased it in January, and we're coming up on our very first season as the owners. Exciting. Mm -hmm. As the owners, are you changing you know, the direction or the feel of the haunted attraction? Is that part of the plan? I think that the feel has changed for our staff, mm -hmm. but I think that the customer will only benefit from the change in culture a little bit. I don't. I had already designed the haunt and I was directing the haunt, so obviously I was happy with that direction. So we're going to stay on that direction, but we'll be able to do more and I'll be able to control the focus of where we focus on things in order to get it exactly where I want it. Yeah. Speaking of that, let's talk first a little bit about broad strokes. What do you have planned for this Halloween season? I know that just myself personally, having visited just last year during the summer and then coming in again before the haunt season, I was shocked at how the entryway has changed and just so much has changed in just that short amount of time, and I'm sure you have plans for more for Halloween. I, I've been able to kick the doors off a little bit in, in some areas. Literally, I and, think it's a wall missing and, up yeah, in the front. It, instead of doing more, we're taking the areas that were not the best and just bringing them up. We're trying to bring everything up to the level that we want it to be. Mm -hmm. Scenically, scare-wise, flow, story, all of that is getting worked on simultaneously. And our front of house end is where you notice some of those changes. Very theatrical style, theme park style entry with a stage show and whatnot. And I just think that those elements are gonna prepare guests for what they're getting into as far as the show goes. And that's gonna help us move and process people in a better way. Yeah, and thematically, of course, we're you're staying with the coven. I'm staying with the coven. I'm staying with 13 witches. I want to get Dark Hour finished. Is any haunt ever truly finished? No. No. But I'm working on it. I have plans for the, this set of witches that I have, and I want to get the show to a certain level. I'll probably be there next year or the year after. Okay. And then I'll kill a witch. Mm -hmm. And then once I kill a witch, then I'll be able to change out of 13 witches. Each one gets part of the show. It's one thirteenth of the show. I'll be changing pretty much every year after that. So guests that are coming again this year after last year, what 
I think to your point, you're saying you're cleaning up scenes. So are they going to notice the same scenes, but... There were areas that were weak, yeah. and we're making them very strong. Okay. And we had some areas that just got skipped by the love magic wand, and we're going in, we're giving love to all of those areas. Some areas, they tend to be a little simpler than others, and we're finding ways to add something even though the scenery is simple, yeah. add something to up the intensity. It's not always, detail's not always the answer. Yeah. A lot of the, the haunt owners tend to have their building and they work on the building and then it's, oh yeah, there's gonna be cast in here, great. But some areas we're really working on what is the cast doing while the guests are doing this motion. Yeah. We're really planning out the layout and the design to get the most possible interactions. Can you give me some examples of that? I, I think I noticed some things where there were, it feels like there's always something going on and it's not always, like you said, something that's crazy complicated. I remember going into an area where I was like, oh, it, it's clear that I'm being surrounded by thorny root areas, but the, they're not, it wasn't a huge expense item, but it gave that texture to the ceiling and, and you felt like you were brushing up against, like you were trying to go through a thorn patch. You were feeling it prickling you and you're like, oh, this, it was cool, but one of those like cool things doesn't break the bank, but I noticed it and it fit with the area. So that is from, I think it's Sleeping Beauty. Yeah where there's the big, the witch summons the big vines to keep the prince away, yep. and she turns, into a, she turns into a dragon, and that's all done in silhouette. Mm -hmm. And so that hallway is very much an homage to those thorns, and just, it's done in silhouette. Mm -hmm. So there's painting on the walls, and there's a little bit of glow in the dark in that paint on the walls, mm -hmm. and then there's black vines painted on the walls, yep. and then there's vines that we physically made in, and they do cage and close you a bit. Um, and that's probably 24 feet of turns in that area. And that is one petal of what we call daisies. And the trick is the guests have to move more than the actors. Oh. So the actor is in the hub of the daisy. They're in the center of the flower. And then they can get a scare. And then the guests go around the petal of the daisy and they come right back to the hub. Actor, same actor gets a scare. So I could put two people in there for the buddy system. No one gets bored, no one's lonely. Did you see that, did you see that? And they switch off, so they control that little area, but then that daisy might have six, seven petals. Yep. And then at the end, you try to put an animatronic yep. or some kind of other interactive reward, or sometimes it's one petal is shared by two daisies, so they get hit on both sides. There's just, that's the kind of design stuff that we're doing it on purpose. Yeah. We're doing it on purpose and we're laying it out in such a way where it's gonna work most of the time. Is it, going back to what you were saying earlier about cleaning up some of the areas and really just making the show complete, is that kind of what you're talking about is in terms of making sure all of those daisy moments are? Well, that and we also, we had to retrofit yep. a little bit because when, 20, when the pandemic happened, we took a year off, we took 2020 off and uh, took it off like we were on vacation. <laughs> Pandemic was terrible, but every haunt wants more time. So we took that time, we really redid our story. Mm -hmm. We did not have enough time and manpower to make the haunt match that new story. Okay. So now we have direction, it's just where to go. So the story is our direction and it tells us where to go and I'm headed there. Okay. We're headed there. So you're just keeping down the path, basically. We're staying down the path. We're adding 
Nordic elements to the moss wife, that area, because yes, she's plants, but she's also a creature from Norse mythology. So we're adding Nordic elements, and that's gonna look less and less like a regular greenhouse and more like a Norse forest. Mm -hmm. We have one set of witches who didn't have a lot of area. So we're taking area from another witch and we're gonna add a Medusa's lair because it's the three sisters didn't have as much space as they should. Okay. And I, when I was a kid, I fell in love with the Clash of the Titans, Medusa's lair, that rattlesnake sound and the fire and the columns. And I, I wanna do that in a haunt. The, the challenge there is making full-size statues. So we're yes. working on that. And that's something that's happening in the background. And that won't even be out till next year. This year, the moss wife got a new bone tree. So this whole big 16 foot tall tree made of skeletons. Uh, skeletons and moss and, and that's a it's a nice visual and there's stuff hanging down so it interacts with you okay so let's cycling back just a tiny bit back to the, the ownership switch tell me a little bit about that why did you decide to move from creative directing into owning I, I think every haunter has their retirement haunt in their brain you know, and I've got this hayride plan that I'm going to do one day down the road. That's just, it's very different, but it's something that I could do. And instead of that, maybe I'll do this. Does it feel different on the day to day? It know, does feel different. Everything comes together. It does. It shouldn't feel different, but it does. And it feels different in the most wonderful way. Mm. In that, yes, now I'm raising a child, but it's not a stepchild. <laughs> It, it's actually my child now, and that, that's a big difference. And also, the people that I have worked with for years, they're on board. Mm. We're in step. They know that I don't have super giant deep pockets. Like, they know that, yeah, this year has to go well. Yeah. And we're all working towards that goal. Yeah. My Stilt Beast has come here. We're working on Stilt Beast to make sure Stilt Beast orders are done at this point. Yep. I don't have any orders from Transworld left. So that's because I had eight people working on them for four or five months. Yep. I, have, I had the staff to do it. And that actually freed up my time. I, it's, my days used to be, last year, I would leave here, get home about seven or eight, go into my shop at home where people were already waiting on me. Mm. And I would work with them until 11 when they left. And then I'd probably work till 12 or one answering email or YouTube comments. And maybe I might have to edit a YouTube video before I go to sleep and then get up to come to here again. Now, honestly, it's less work in a way because my evenings are my own. Mm. And I have this awesome, wonderful team of people who are really with me for the journey. Yeah. And I'm, I'm dragging them with me. You're going to see me. People at Transworld are tired of hearing me teach. You know no, what I mean? We love you. But, but I, I love teaching. I love teaching. Yeah. And I love sharing. And you're going to see more and more of my team doing that because they're coming with me. We all have that mindset of let's think outside the box. Let's do what's good for the industry is good for us. Yeah. What's good for the industry is good for dark hour. Yeah. So that's a, a thought that I'm fostering with my people, whether they stay my people or they go off and do their own thing. 
Yeah, I was going to ask about, because it seems like it, it, it could be a good idea to have a production studio and you have work that comes in. That way you can keep a year-round team of artists because when they're not working on stuff for Dark Hour, they can be working on stuff for other people, but you have access to that talent. Because so, talent is difficult, especially in the haunted house space, like you just said. Talent yeah. is the key. Having your good team. Ta uh, no, talent isn't difficult. Talent's easy. The, the issue that the haunt industry has, I hate, I don't like saying anything negative about the industry, is the ego at the top mm. has to make room for the egos all around them to rise up mm. and pass them. You have to be prepared for that. You have to be, you pull everybody up that you can, pull them all up. It's only going to help. And there's so many things, I, well, I now have 10 people here doing what I used to do alone. It's so nice to have help. Yeah. The YouTube channels. I have a couple YouTube channels that are going. Yep. And one of them is about to hit 100,000 subscribers. I've got two folks here who edit video. Pretty much they leapfrog editing videos. Every day we are filming three things happening in the haunt. Yep. Almost at minimum, we're gonna need more cameras because we're out of cameras and then it's keeping track of the footage and don't film anything you're not gonna use. Yep. But you understand that struggle. But we're feeding that machine. Yep. It's getting media and images. A haunt now is only as good as its images. Yep. I was not brought up as a media guy. I'm learning that. But I've got a team who's way better at it than I am. Yep. I fumble my way through media success. It's diligence over skill for sure. But yeah, the, the team here is amazing. But Everybody has an amazing team. You have to recognize it and give them the keys. So one of the issue is giving the keys away, yeah. letting, these, letting other people do things. But they might learn all that here and then go somewhere else. Yep. That's true, they might. Yep. But how many people are gonna flock to you because you're willing to let them learn there and then willing to let them grow? Yeah. That's, that's part of it. Why do you think that is? The whole industry works in shadows, not spotlights. Mm. We work in shadows, not spotlights. We want to push our talent into the shadows. Mm. I, I think that's the mentality. That's the difference. Yeah. Whereas if it's a stage, you're pushing the important people into the light. And here, the important people are in the shadows. And you gotta flip that every now and then. Yeah. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. We're counting down to Halloween with daily podcasts, videos, and events in our 61-day Hauntathon. Follow along at the link in our show notes. Our Hauntathon is made possible through generous support from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com slash demo. That's gantam.com slash demo. Our Hauntathon team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. And our content partners for this year include Attractions Magazine, Creepy Kingdom, Freaks of HHN, Haunt Topic Radio, Kevin Heimbach, 
News TV, Omni Adventures, Scare Track, Sharp Productions, That Halloween Podcast, The Horror of Being Emily, The Scare Factor, and This Weekend with Nick Pagliocchini. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our weekly newsletter at hauntedattractionnetwork.com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween. Until next time, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.